You are listening to the Alligator Podcast, a podcast where the independent Florida Alligator, one of the largest student newspapers in the country, discusses our latest stories on the University of Florida, Gainesville, and beyond. Subscribe and tune in weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear our latest episodes on news, sports, and much more. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Alligator Podcast. My name is Thomas Holton. I hope you're doing well wherever you're listening from. This is the sports section of the podcast, and today we have a very special guest. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Peyton Titus. I am the online sports editor for The Alligator and uh, one of four football beat writers at our publication. Thank you for coming on. You've had a crazy week (laughs) that we're going to talk about. So to start off, I mean, if people aren't aware of what's going on, maybe just a broad overview of what this past week or what I guess what's been happening with Gator football that you've had to frantically try to figure out? So um, on Tuesday, uh, around like one o'clock, uh, media got the weekly testing update for COVID-19 testing results throughout the athletic department and uh, reported five additional cases on the football team as of Monday the 12th. So that was something that people were talking about. I think it even got picked up by ESPN that there were five additional positives. But later on in that day, I was hearing from sources I have close to the football team that actually 19 people had tested positive within the program. So I ended up going public with that information after talking with uh, some of my editors. And that information later ended up being confirmed by like AP and ESPN and The Athletic and some other people. Um, And then on Wednesday, the athletic director, Scott Strickland, held a press conference where he confirmed the postponement of what was supposed to be Saturday's game against LSU after they found out actually 21 people up to that point in time had tested positive from 19 as of Tuesday. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. So going back to like that initial moment when you first we're hearing that it was 19 instead of five. Do you know if that was a case of them not being forthcoming and like telling how many tests were positive or did just more information come out there? Like, did you get any clear indication on like what was the disconnect there from their initial announcement to like what you eventually found out? Yeah, I think that since in the email that we get every time it always says like these are based on available results up to X point in time. So the email that we did get on Tuesday did say as of Monday the 12th. So I don't necessarily think that it was the athletic department not being transparent. I do think that they just got more results back between the time that the results were published and the time that I had been talking with my sources because they also told me that the team has been doing daily testing since they got back from Texas A&M last weekend. So that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and now we've learned Wednesday. And I think they said they were going to keep doing daily testing as long as they felt necessary. So I do not think that they were being secretive. I think that more results just started coming in and then, you know, they 
decided to pause everything, all the team activities for a little while, and then I ended up going public and confirming the number of tests that actually came back positive that made them decide to do that. Yeah. I saw your initial tweet, which was like obviously blowing up in engagement. And then you, you tweeted that you were having conflicting reports and that you were in the process of double checking that. Were people reaching out to you that, I guess, who was reaching out to you and what made you have to make that second tweet? And then what was the process of confirming that what you had originally was correct? Yeah, so as I tweeted out with that, sources close to the athletic department approached me saying that as of the data that they had at that very moment, the number seemed to be too high. So I wanted to make sure that I was being transparent with everyone considering that the tweet had blown up so much. I thought that it was necessary to be straightforward with people and let them know, okay, like this is what I heard from my sources and I trust my sources, but now I'm hearing from other people that this might not be the case. But then I kept doing some digging and got back from those sources saying that now they were hearing the same number that I had initially put out. So then that is what prompted the, we're sticking by our initial report tweet and um, subsequent brief that we ended up putting out on the issue. Yeah. And you got a lot of Twitter hate back and backlash, right? So what what are your thoughts on like that just whole outrage and then maybe the conversations that you had with other people at the alligator about just how to block that out? I had a lot of people reaching out to me, like in my DMs and stuff too, saying that they were sorry about everything that people were tweeting at me and telling me like, I hope you're ignoring your mentions right now because you did a good yeah. job. <laughs> and so luckily I think it's kind of funny my phone was blowing up so much that I didn't really see a whole lot of actual hate like it was just so many notifications at once that I didn't even really see people specifically kind of dogging me out but I did get some messages from people advising me you know they didn't necessarily not believe what I put out but um they did advise me, you know, you should probably just delete that initial tweet so that way people don't drag you and so you can just keep updating us as the situation goes along. But I don't think people understand that I would never ever delete a tweet like that. Even if it had been confirmed that I was incorrect, I would not delete that information because that would be misleading. And I don't, yeah. I want to be transparent with people. The entire point of covering the coronavirus pandemic has been to keep people accountable that are in charge and to inform the public as to what's going on in their community. You know, like a lot of people, I don't think really understand why it's important to put out news like cases on the football team. You know, like some people think it's a violation of HIPAA and all this kind of stuff. Like it's none of our business, but it is definitely the business of every student on campus and definitely the business of every person that lives in the Gainesville area because these guys live here and they go to businesses and they go to restaurants. Like I know that they're limiting how much they go out, but you know, they can't not ever leave their apartments or their dorms or whatever, or their houses. So it's important that people know what's going on in the community and, and who all is kind of serving as carriers for this virus. So yeah, that was interesting, definitely. And then a lot of people were nice and apologized for, I guess, doubting me at the beginning. 
which I appreciated, but I also can understand why people would question me because, you know, as a journalist, I can't say that you shouldn't question everything that you see online. Like definitely don't just, just because you read it on Twitter does not make it true. And I totally understand that, but I am just glad that everything's been cleared up and I ended up being correct. You know, it's not the kind of news that anybody really wants to break. It's upsetting to see your peers and your classmates and stuff test positive for this thing because it's scary, but I'm just glad that it ended up being true and working out, I guess. And then going back to what you said about people not really understanding, like they want you to delete the tweet, but they don't understand why you shouldn't do that. And like the same thing about the HIPAA thing, just like not people not understanding the function of what you're supposed to do. Is that, I didn't have a question, but is that just frustrating, I guess, like in general, not even specific to this situation? Uh, it's definitely been frustrating for me, and I'm sure it's been really frustrating for health beat reporters right now because yeah. there's not really talking any sense into people when they've decided on their version of how HIPAA works um, and getting through to them because HIPAA basically is just like the institution can't release the like private information of like their health stuff. So like. I wasn't reporting any specific names of people that tested positive, which even if I was, it wouldn't be a violation of HIPAA for me to put that information out there. It might be whoever I got the information from might have violated HIPAA by putting the information out for me to have. But once it's out, it's out and it's free reign for journalists. So yeah, it's definitely frustrating when people kind of just are like, oh, HIPAA, I'm not going to tell you anything about anybody right now. Like, I think that there was a press conference a while ago where Dan Mullen, the head coach of the football team, said they weren't going to be talking about injuries sometimes this season because of HIPAA, which, like, that's never been the case before. So I think everybody is just kind of, I I get that it's hard to understand how certain laws work, but at the same time, it's been a little bit irritating when all you're trying to do is your job and people are shooting you down for reasons that you know are not founded. So Dan Mullen basically tried to use HIPAA as like a trump card, like HIPAA, HIPAA. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I wasn't in that press conference, but I do remember people talking about that and being a little frustrated about that, especially when I think ESPN came out confirming an injury that the backup quarterback Emory Jones had, which Dan Mullen said he was not going to confirm when all the local media people were on the press conference with him, which that definitely as a local news person, you know, that would rub you the wrong way. Like, oh, you'll tell ESPN what's going on, but you won't tell us what's going on. So that's another obstacle even that like student papers have in trying to find information out is like people don't really take you seriously because you're young and you're a student paper. You're not this like huge conglomerate or anything. So it's kind of crazy, but the world we live in is crazy right now. You are right. And then, so you confirm that the report that you had initially was correct. And then something I wanted to touch on briefly, which is like a massive deal is just, you got on the Paul Feinbaum show. So 
talk about that. How did that happen? And like, how quickly did that come together? And just how cool of an experience was that? Uh, yeah, it, it happened really fast, actually. I hadn't really been checking my phone a whole lot right after I put all the information out there. But I did see in my DMs a request from, I think, somebody involved with the show. And I can't remember what his title was or not, asking if I wanted to be on. And then I also saw an email in my inbox about it too. So I kind of just responded with my phone number. I was like, sure, totally, I'll go on. And uh, they were like, do you have a headshot? I was like, oh gosh, no, I don't have a headshot. You get one of those. And um, they just called and we talked about it a little bit. And that was that. I feel like it took maybe like an hour after the release got out that all went down. So that was kind of crazy. So a little bit of time passes and then we have Scott Strickland announcing that the the UF-LSU game would be canceled. And I know you wrote another separate story about that. So what are some of the things that were notable to you? Maybe questions either you asked or just tidbits that you heard from his answers that, that you think were the most relevant. Uh, I thought it was kind of crazy how he congratulated me on getting that scoop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was very shocked by that. I appreciated that a lot because I know that you know, people didn't really take it seriously at the beginning, but I've heard that he has a really, like, he's been really good with media in his career for the most part. So, like, everybody that was in the press conference, they were like, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. Like, I'm not surprised by that. This just proves it. And so I thought that was kind of crazy. But aside from that, uh, we did find out that the number climbed of positives tests climbed to 21 by the time he had that press conference. So 18 scholarship athletes and 13, or not 13, three, excuse me, walk-on athletes had tested positive. And he told us that between individuals quarantining um, on the injury list and those that tested positive, UF had fallen under 50 scholarship athletes, I think, available, which the minimum that the SEC kind of encourages, uh, depending on the breakdown of position groups that are available, is 53. So it makes sense as to why they had to postpone the game. But I did ask him if he knew how many guys were going to be quarantining. And he said, based on the ongoing efforts of contact tracing, he didn't have that exact number yet. So it's also interesting how depending on your situation, you could be in quarantine longer than other people. So like if you've been exposed, but you test negative like X amount of times, you'd be quarantining for a shorter amount of time than somebody that tested positive or uh, somebody that's had inconclusive results or something like that. So yeah, and then he said they were going to keep doing daily testing for as long as they felt necessary. And when people asked about the status of the UF Missouri game, which is supposed to be October 24th, he said that they were just going to keep in contact with Missouri and the conference and continue to monitor the situation. Yeah, and then the, the LSU game, he said, was like tentatively rescheduled for December 12th, right? Mm-hmm. Do we know, as of now, what the, the cause of this outbreak was? As of right now, there's no like concrete, this is where it all started type of idea. But 
Strickland did say, I think, let me see if I can pull up the quote that he said, but um, he did point to travel to the A&M game as a possible source. Basically, he was just saying that this isn't the first road game that the Gators have been on. They went to Ole Miss and then they came home and played South Carolina. But then all of a sudden after Texas A&M, they saw this spike that they haven't even seen this many tests cumulatively since the summer, I think. So he's thinking that that could definitely be the source. So they're going to consequently take a look at the travel procedures that they have and see if there's any way that they can kind of tighten it up and limit the uh, possibility of exposure for future road games and away games. And then something else we haven't brought up yet, which is kind of ironic, was just the the timing of Dan Mullen's comments about after the Texas A&M game about packing the swamp and then, you know, this all happens a couple days after. So what are your thoughts on because I, I know you mentioned in the Paul Feinbaum interview that you were not the biggest fan of those comments. So what do you think of after like a couple weeks of things going pretty well, all of a sudden right now, a wrench is thrown into everything. Like Nick Saban gets test positive, like another game I think got postponed in the SEC. So things are just unraveling right now. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was to be expected, but I do think that his comments on that were untimely considering everything happening this week. Somebody that I know, another football beat writer named Zach Goodall at Writes for Sports Illustrated put out something, I think it was yesterday or the day before maybe, about how Dan Mullen had a press conference on Monday and talked about how UF has been a model of health when it comes to all this stuff, saying that he was too focused on LSU to be worried about the things that he said on Saturday about wanting to pack the swamp. He didn't really backtrack his comments the way that everybody kind of predicted that he would. But if you think about that, now that we know, as of Monday the 12th, there were five additional tests. Like he knew at least about those five people when he went in the press conference and said all of that stuff. So that's not great. I'm also pretty sure that they still practiced that night. So that's also not great. But at least when the news broke of the 19 players, he did finally kind of be like, okay, I might have offended some people. So I'm sorry about that. I was just kind of upset by the loss, which everybody thought he was going to say a couple of days earlier than that, but I guess better late than never. And I do believe that Scott Strickland said something about, you know, sometimes coaches, you know, they're really passionate about what they do. And so sometimes they speak out of their area of expertise and say things that they maybe shouldn't say. So I definitely think that that's the case here. But I also think it's kind of crazy how this week some of Gator Nation's kind of turned on a dime from really supporting Dan Mullen to kind of being like, dude, this is not. When you're in charge of the safety of this many people and this many kids, like, probably shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Here's a clip from Dan Mullen's post-game press conference on October 10th. Uh, it was a great day of football, great atmosphere out there. Uh, crowd was certainly a factor in the game, I will certainly say that. I know our governor passed that rule, so certainly, hopefully, the university administration decides to let us pack the swamp for LSU next week. 100%, because that crowd was a major factor in the game. And so I certainly hope our university administration follows the governor. Our governor has passed a rule that we're allowed to pack the swamp. We have 90,000 in the swamp to give us that home field advantage that Texas A&M had today. It's been really like a complete 90 degree just 
switch. And it makes sense when you're talking about people's lives, like it's, and even like the loss against Texas A&M, that pills in comparison, obviously to, so like you said, so he had that press conference on Monday and so he knew that five people had tested positive and they still practiced. Yeah, that's what the timeline's looking like right now. <laughs> Isn't that bad? Yeah, I would say so. I would say that's not great. <laughs> yeah, it kind of begs the question, like, why did they practice and how did that work? And, you know, like, were they sure that even if those, like, if they asked those guys that did test positive not to come, like, are they sure that everybody that was there hadn't been exposed to them? You know, like, did they do enough contact tracing before deciding to bring everybody in? Lots of questions surrounding what happened on Monday, what was going through people's heads. I watched it before a couple hours ago, and didn't he mention that some of the players had some mild allergy, like a sore throat or something like that before? And then he mentioned, after they tested positive, they mentioned to the, to the doctors that they had that. So Texas A&M may not have been the biggest factor in it. Maybe that Monday practice is the biggest, because there was only five people that they knew of at that time. And obviously it's gone up tremendously since then, so. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think that uh, Scott Strickland was saying something at his press conference about how guys were going to one of their trainers Sunday night, talking about how they were experiencing like allergy, flu-like symptoms, and then tested positive. And then they're like, oh yeah, I was feeling kind of bad Friday, like, I wasn't really sure. I didn't think it was something worth reporting. Like, I think part of this is not necess- not necessarily players not being transparent, but more so kind of not really understanding the symptoms as they pertain to COVID-19, just because there are so many symptoms. So you could have the sniffles one day and be like, oh, it's allergies. And then it ends up being like COVID or vice versa. Like you might think, oh my gosh, I have a sore throat, like I have COVID. And it's like, no, you just slept with your mouth open. Like it's all kinds of stuff to consider. And so I guess maybe now he would rather people come forth and be like, you know, I'm feeling this way. It might be allergies. It might be a cold, but I think that I should tell you just in case it is COVID because you never really know right now. Whenever I like just wake up and my mouth's dry, I'm like, I have COVID. Even if I haven't like (laughs) spoken to someone in person that's not my roommates in like a week I still have it and you can't convince me otherwise until like I feel better after a couple hours yeah as I always wake up in the morning and my throat hurts a little bit but then like I drink a glass of water and I'm fine I'm like whew, sheesh <laughs> good yeah <laughs> but that's why I think it'll be a lot scarier as we get further into fall and then into winter because I mean the sniffles like all these small little things that could be something or could be nothing, it's going to take on added importance. And like you said, there's so many different symptoms to it that, that it's easy to just be like, no, it's just something small and you might have it, or you could not have it and think you have it. So I think testing and just being overly cautious is the only way that all of college football is basically is going to continue to get to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. It is really crazy kind of being back in school, back on a college campus, because, you know, I remember last year in the fall, I started here last summer, but 
last year in the fall, a bunch of people were coming down and a lot of my friends were getting sick and everybody's like, oh, it's the freshman plague. Like at the beginning of the year, everybody gets sick because everybody comes back from home with something and it goes around and makes its way through. And then, you know, it kind of dies down after a little bit. And now it's like, okay, so you have that. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, flu season coming up, like all those things mixed together, it's a lot to worry about. So I definitely do think erring on the side of caution is the only way really to kind of get through this. And I think Scott Strickland said this, but maybe somebody else might have said this. You can't test your way out of the pandemic, but it is good to know what's going on so you can minimize damage and minimize the spread. obviously the college football playoff at the end of the the year how do you think they're gonna judge a team that plays on because it's already a shortened season so how are they going to judge teams that canceled one of their games or teams have played two or three more games than each other I feel like that's going to be a really difficult task for them even if the big contenders that would have been contenders are still able to play at that point if the world hasn't ended by that point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like I've seen some experts in my Twitter feed kind of contemplating maybe they'll decide postseason stuff based on win percentage and like strength of schedule put together instead of record and strength of schedule, like what would kind of normally more so be the case. I don't really know what it's going to look like this season with all the different conferences having different plans and other things going on. I don't, I'm not really sure, but I do think that that would make sense. Like win percentage and strength of schedule. I feel bad for uh, some of these ACC teams because their strength of schedule is just like. Yeah. (laughs) They had to rely on other things that are not available this year. So yeah, Yeah. I guess last thing just for future reference, who's going to win the, national championship so we can look back in a couple months and see if you got it right oh gosh I'm gonna end up on like old takes exposed or something like that Uh, I would never tag them with (laughs) a link to our episode in two months dude I'm pretty sure that the guy that runs that account is a UF alum so seriously yeah they pay attention to what the alligator does so be careful because I think uh, somebody on sports staff got exposed a while ago and it's like a running joke that we all talk about on staff like I don't think the guy's even uh still on staff but yeah so be careful people that write like opinion things and columns and prediction stuff watch out (laughs) yeah I have no clue I haven't really watched a whole lot of football that's not Gator football because I've been, you know, it's like an all-day process when they do have games, you know, like you, you watch the game, you go to the press conference after the game, you read or write the gamer, you post the gamer, you make a graphic to post on social media, so it takes like forever, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe Clemson again, they beat up on Miami, but I think everybody expected that. Alabama kind of had a tough time against Lane Kiffin, which I thought was kind of hilarious. So I don't really, 
don't really know. Georgia was looking rough at the beginning and like in the first half all the time, but managed to pull it out a couple of times. So I, those are like the big three contenders. Maybe, maybe some other conferences will pull out, but I, this season is so insane. SEC football this year is just like offense freaking city and defenses are struggling. And I think that's just the nature of the offseason, the nature of the game right now. But that's like completely anti-SEC and usually anti-Gator football. So, yeah, I think anything could happen, really. So what I'm hearing is you don't want to give a straight answer because you're afraid of being on old takes exposed. Oh, maybe. This is my intro to PR kind of answer. Yeah, you're making, this is your pivot to, P, to PR right now. Oh, no. I will never. I will never. Watch me get on freaking old takes exposed for that and end up having like a job in PR. Yeah, see, you're just, you're just adding more obstacles to yourself. PR <laughs> and the national champion. You can't. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm sabotaging myself. <laughs> Just say the Gators. Even if it's not going to happen, but say the Gators. Okay. <laughs> Everybody was like, we're going to Phoenix. Yeah, we got it. I was like, no. We're going to lose some game we should not lose at freaking Texas A&M. And it's just not going to happen. I'm not, not going to ever guess undefeated. I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than upset. That's a good thing to keep in mind. <laughs> and okay, I think I think that's I'll let you off the hook. Cuz you already have the, the you already gave the PR thing, so you can't make a pivot into PR now. Or I'll call you out on it. Um Please so do. <laughs> Okay, okay, I will. If you want to. Yeah, if I go into PR, I need somebody to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> No disrespect to the PR majors listening to this podcast. Oh, this yeah, the, sorry. These, these are the views of Peyton Titus, not the host, <laughs> Thomas Holton. Okay, so thank you again for coming on. If you have any other uh, disses to any other majors or any, <laughs> any messages, or if you want to plug your social media, you can go ahead and do that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to hate on anybody else. Everyone is equally smart and amazing and awesome and hardworking at UF. We love to see it. Social media, though, my Twitter is at PETitus25. So you can hit me up on there. I think my follower count like doubled this week almost, which is kind mm. of wild. So make sure you come in and check it out and see what I'm doing. I also like to frequently retweet work of my colleagues at the alligator that I think uh, deserves more attention and things like that. I know Brendan is always doing awesome stat stuff with football. We have Declan who is like a freaking European announcer. He's an expert on soccer and he's giving us like expert analysis and all his previews for um, Florida Gator soccer, which is really cool to read. Yeah. So just make sure you're Keeping up with everything that we do, I, I will be, you know, liking it up, retweeting it up. So watch out for my stuff. Watch out for all of our stuff. I think it's going to be a good rest of the semester. Okay, awesome. This has been the sports section of the podcast. Thank you again, Peyton, for coming on. I've been your host, Thomas Holton. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas underscore underscore Holton. We appreciate everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Alligator Podcast. 
be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org.